Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined, as always, by Don Pizzette. Don, how are you doing today? Uh, sadly, due to a pre-show conversation, I'm trying to get the idea of eye spiders out of my head. <laughs> that, that's what you want to do with eye spiders. Thank get you, Daniel. Get them out of your yeah, head. Well, you know, I'm here to help. <laughs> and Daniel, uh, I don't know if I should ask, but how are you? Man, if I could just get these eye spiders out of my head. <laughs> right, great theme. <laughs> yeah. It's a rough day. <laughs> we are joined today by a special guest, uh, Victoria Mosby, who is a federal sales engineer at Lookout. Victoria, how are you? I'm doing good, though now I want to wash my hair because I feel like there's ice spiders in it. So thank you, <laughs> right. all of you, for that. You'll, you'll be glad to know there are actual, like, worm parasites that will live in your eye. <laughs> I am glad to know that. <laughs> this is a tech <laughs> news podcast. That must be what those floaters all That's are it. that I see every now and yeah. again. Oh, oh man, stick at parasites. I don't like this at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Victoria, what does the rest of your shirt say? I just see nerdy. Oh, uh, nerdy by nature. Nerd. Oh, okay. I like nerdy that. Yeah. I get it. I all see right. what you did there. Yeah. It's <laughs> a play on words, what you got there. Uh, all right. Do you need a, like a big clock? Do you have a clock as well that you could wear? No. Or is that public? No, I'm not public enemy. That public enemy. Yeah. Way to go, Peter. Ruin the show. <laughs> no. But at least we're not talking about ice spiders. So. Yeah. Oh, now we are. Yeah. yeah. Back to that. You pull them out, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Let's shift gears <laughs> and get to our first segment. Let's get to know more about Victoria in rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Victoria, in this segment, what we're going to do is throw questions at you rapidly. On the side of your screen, you'll see a timer, and you'll have approximately one minute to answer each question. If you take too long, Peter will buzz you like that, and then we'll move on to the next question. So our first question is coming at you from Peter. All right. Well, I mentioned that you are a federal sales engineer at Lookout. So uh, what is it that Lookout offers and, and what is your role there? What does that mean, the sales engineer? Sure. So I'm the technical arm of an account team. So you have the account managers and then you have me. Um, I'm the ones to keep the account managers on track. And, you know, even if they say one thing, I actually show what it actually does. So I do the <laughs> integrations, the implementations, answer all the technical questions, both pre and post sales. I do webinars. I do lecture, you know, not lectures, but sessions, technical things like that. So um, Lookout, though, is well, we started as a mobile security company protecting mobile devices, you know, like your phones here or your tablets. Um, and we've been doing that in the consumer space since 2007. You can find us on any of the major app stores. Uh, and we also do enterprise version and uh, protect the phones similar, but much more sophisticated to like a, an antivirus. So protecting your apps, your network, your device itself, uh, protecting against phishing attacks, which is, as I think we all know, probably the number one threat vector to anything and everywhere you know that's kind of how ransomware tends to happen it usually starts with a phishing attack uh so yeah i work in uh covering dod primarily dod space mm -hmm. All right. Now, when I think of Lookout, I do think of Lookout Mobile Security. I've used the product mm -hmm. myself in the past and, uh, you know, obviously a commercial entity, but there is a charitable foundation also and you are on the board of it. So what, what exactly does yes. the Lookout Foundation do? Yeah. So the Lookout Foundation is our arm to give back. Um, we pledge, we do a pledge 1%, which is what a lot of uh, Silicon Valley tech companies uh, started doing, where we give back 1% of our revenue, 1% of employee time and 1% of our product. 
back to different charities and organizations. We, uh, the foundation specifically has three thematic goals um, or focuses, women in STEM, um, internet, uh, internet privacy, no, internet freedom and data privacy, excuse me, and uh, supporting underrepresented communities. Um, and various things we've done out of that include um, uh, Day of Security, which is where we have a women's only conference. We actually just did our first virtual event in March and we had over 1,100 attendees in a virtual event. So wow. it was actually pretty cool. I had a boys only treehouse <laughs> growing up. I'm sure it was nice. <laughs> yeah, with with one attendee. Is that where you counted your eyes spiders? <laughs> <laughs> now, segueing off of that, actually, um, mm -hmm. uh, Little Birdie told me that one of your pet projects is actually trying to help women get into the tech space, into IT. Yep. How's that going? What's that looking like recently? Uh, very well. As I mentioned, the Day of Security in particular is a big piece of that for us. Um, we started that back in 2017 and did multiple live um, actual events uh, in the San Francisco area and in Boston and up in Toronto. And then obviously because of COVID this past March, we did a uh, virtual event over 1100 uh, attendees over the course of a single day. Uh, we had about 80 speakers and I want to say 50 plus sponsors, including some pretty big names. And that has been great. Um, in addition to that, the Lookout Foundation also sponsors different uh, women-focused organizations. Um, uh, we just partnered with one, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name off the top of my head, and it hurts my heart to do that, uh, <laughs> where we are sponsoring uh, two women um, of color through a uh, essentially an internship program uh, into the tech space where they're going to learn. Uh, it's a, almost like a scholarship for, for various tech classes, but we'll also be doing mentoring with them. And then we're also looking to expand that to grow it so that we can keep doing this and do it at a larger scale. This is kind of our first pilot into it. So, but we're, we're, we're definitely looking forward to expanding on that. And that, that Dave security, uh, you were one of the speakers as well, I, I believe. What, what did you talk about there? Um, I was most, I was mostly more on the tech side of it in that I was the technical arm for the rest of our booth because it's all virtual. And as we know, things never work as they should on the day of especially, but, um, I did do a brief kind of day in the life talk, um, about, uh, my experiences at Lookout, what I do as a sales engineer, um, a little bit about my background, um, which actually mobile is rather new-ish comparatively over my career. Um, just been doing about three years now. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great time and it was a, a lot of fun connecting with other women in, in that space. And, and last question, I know uh, your original kind of career path you were looking for was in the video game world. But uh, <laughs> as a kid, what was your game of choice? Oh, I had three. Uh, the Legends of the Dra Legend of the Dragoon, Final Fantasy VII, and Chrono Cross. Those oh, were my good point. Top good picks. Three. That's like all PlayStation One era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I started with the Nintendo, the original Nintendo, but the PlayStation One was my first real like full console with just all the games, and so yeah. It's a duck hunt guy it. myself. Yeah. <laughs> chocobo <laughs> racing forever, right? Oh yes, <laughs> love the chocobos. John, what was yours? <laughs> Huh? What was your game of choice growing up? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Mega Man Two, probably. Actually, we had the Intellivision. Uh, oh, did you really? Kid, so we uh, we nice. had Burger Time. Oh, Burger Time actually rocked. Nice. Burger Time, good game. name. Good game. Yeah. 
I'm aging myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm aging myself. <laughs> like a cheese. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I stink. Is what you're saying. I appreciate that. And, All right. Well, uh, while we've got you here, let's let's talk a little bit about mobile security in our next segment, which is science and tech news. Stay tuned for science and technology. And now back to the anchor desk. All right. So we are starting off looking at the article from TechCrunch, Security Flaws Found in Samsung's Stock Mobile Apps. And uh, that sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> but is, is this is this the kind of thing that you're working on day to day or like are you having to keep track of what these uh, zero days are and in the, in the latest problems and try to uh, yeah. help plug them? Or Yeah. So. Lookout as a company, we do multiple things. So I'm again on the sell side. So I'm selling our our mobile endpoint solution to help organizations protect their end users and their devices. But we also have a dedicated security research team that when they see these things, they just go nuts. They love this stuff. Um, I'm actually trying to get over there if I can because I like <laughs> research. Um, but yeah, no, anytime a new threat it comes out or, I mean, we've discovered a number of big threats ourselves, Pegasus, uh, Dark Caracal, uh, um, and a few others I'm blanking on. Uh, but when you hear things like this come up, it is, it, it, there's multifacets to it. From my perspective as a salesperson, this is great because now I get to take this to, say, my customers or prospects say, hey, see, I told you, you need to secure your mobile devices. Um, from a research perspective, I'm looking at it of, OK, what happened here? And is this can, can this be found in other places? What what was it that triggered this to be malicious or to be bad? And will I see this as a pattern going elsewhere now that I know of it here? Um, so there's a lot of things that come out of um, announcements like this. It's a compelling event for customers to finally get off their butts and do something about their mobile fleets, which they need to. Um, and it's also a um, big piece for you know researchers to say, OK, someone has found this. We need to take this same information and apply it now and add it to our corpus of knowledge to see if we can find similar things that might be out there. Um, Sad that it happened to Samsung, um, but it is kind of the nature of, of the beast. You don't know what you don't know until it hits you in the butt. You know, it's good news that this is a really rare occurrence, I'm sure. So uh, I've, I've, I've uh, looked at a couple of C-suites, talked to them. They've said, oh, yeah, phones are... They totally never secure. get me there. Yeah, there's no actually, problem with that. Actually, Daniel, the oh. next article we had here was what? from solutionsreview.com and says 60% of companies call mobile devices the biggest security threat. And well, sure that can't be true. Victoria, do you, do you agree with that? I That number should be much higher than 60%. <laughs> They're being um, kind. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, I remember... When I was first starting out, I had a BlackBerry device, like an like one of those brick BlackBerry devices with the keyboard. I love that phone. Um, but like even back then, they were like, "Yeah, no, we just you just have access to email and you can text and make message, you know, send um, and talk and all that." And it's just like we we don't need any security for that. And maybe at some point back then, when you had like a Nokia brick phone that mm -hmm. only used prepaid minutes, that was that was fairly true. But now this thing is a bloody computer sitting in my pocket. It's more powerful than the computers I had growing up, for instance. It, yes, no, back to the original question. It is very much 
um, a threat vector. And it's probably the easiest one to exploit because if you lose that phone and it's connected to back internal to your you know networks, you're, you're kind of screwed. And if um, it's compromised, you bring it into the office every day and connect to the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the wireless network at work. Yeah, people are like a lot of companies that um, I, I attempt to sell to or speak with or even when I'm at conferences and I'm speaking. So, well, we have a VPN. We don't need, you know, anything else. You, your, your VPN is just literally giving them a direct tunnel into your your network. That VPN is not security in, in terms of ensuring that the device connecting to it and going through it is itself protected. It is just simply saying everything outside of my tunnel of traffic can't see in. But if that traffic going through that tunnel is already compromised and or, you know, bad, then you literally just gave them a clear path into your network. You know, it's an interesting um, observation to see that the people that don't do security are not involved with that type of thing tend to look at any security as making them secure and not that we're kind of working from the backside of this. We're behind the eight ball and we have to bolt on as much security as we possibly can. And yes, that's going to make your life a little bit more inconvenient, but not nearly as inconvenient as a data breach. So we're going to do that instead. Yeah. And then you've got the whole, a lot of companies are going the way of uh, BYOD. So bring your own yeah. device instead of doing corporate issue because it's cheaper that way. But then you have the issue that this is someone's personal phone and they're only going to allow you to add so much security and, and controls around their personal device. And when you try to put like someone like, like my company, like a lookout on there, that's just monitoring the health of the security and health of the device. You're like, Oh, big brother's watching what I do. No, you can't do that. And at some point it's going to come down to you either allow them to have that security on the phone or that phone is not allowed to connect in inbound. There, there has to yep. be a hard line. Now, I'm curious, a lot of people blame the state of mobile security on the fact that vendors aren't updating their devices. And, and some vendors will only support a phone for one or two years, but people will continue to use it for five years without any updates. But I know Apple and Samsung actually have a really good track record of pushing security updates out for their devices. So it's kind of shocking when we see one like this where the stock install, like no, no, no third party apps installed or, or just mm -hmm. what comes on the phone. It's already got flaws or, or vulnerabilities that are in it. How common is that? Like are our phones just generally not trustworthy even when you don't install apps? So that was the thing, like uh, years ago, Android devices, even before Google itself started putting out their own phones, uh, we come with all these, you know, this bloatware, all these different uh, apps pre-installed on the device. The second you got it from Verizon or AT&T or whatever, it had all these apps on it. And they stopped doing that for that one of those exact reasons. It's because you can't control what goes into those apps. Now, in Samsung's case, they can. These are their apps. But it, it goes back to not knowing what you don't know until someone finds it. That's kind of the nature of zero days. And this is not knocking on Samsung or Android or Apple or whomever. It takes a sophisticated mind and a devious mind to say, well, what if I tried this? Because there's always going to be that, that person or groups like, let's try this. It may not work, but let's see if it happens. Whereas your developers and your testers and whatnot, they're going either by the, a book and path that's already been set out for them, or they're assuming that because they follow specific coding practices, everything else is, you know, hunky dory. But those coding practices themselves are going to constantly be updated because new things are being found out, new, you know, uh, tricks and and um, criteria are, are being discovered that were originally a flaw that no one knew about until it hit them in a the butt. So it that's just the nature of technology, unfortunately. 
It's not necessarily a mobile thing. It is just technology in general. You've talked about this stuff before, haven't you? <laughs> I can I'm tell. a little passionate. <laughs> so, so I assume you've upgraded from the BlackBerry. What does someone in no, she's uh, still in mobile security? I saw her yeah. rocking it. It was amazing. <laughs> what, what do you use as someone in mobile security? Uh, I shouldn't answer this question. Uh, yeah. uh, and one operating system. Yeah, you got good OPSEC, right? The Mac I am a Android girl. Mm-hmm. I am a Pixel specifically. I like. I, I do like Android. I fully. I in my case, I am aware of what risks are. Uh, you know, to that or what potentially because Android is you know more open, more customer folk, uh, consumer focused than say Apple, which is more security proprietary focus. No Pine Phone um, for you. <laughs> a what phone? A Pine Phone. The uh, Linux-based, like, uh, Oh, no, no, no. Actually, my boss has Uh, one of those, actually. He He likes it, yeah. Nice. Um, No I believe it is. It's it's Linux. It just runs Linux. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this is basically a type of Linux when you you think about it. Uh, But, no, I like the Google uh, suite, so I have a a Pixel 3a, uh, because I know at least with that, with going with a direct Google phone, when the changes and patches come out, I get them like that. I, mm. I get them instantly. Whereas Samsung, while they've gotten much better at this, still takes forever and a day to update things. I, I will say I, I received a security update like this morning. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I assume they, that's they, for the, the issue that they just have. Yeah, no, they, they have since are, are fixing it or have since fixed it. Um, it can take some time. Uh, if you ever get a chance, check out uh, Google's Project Zero. That's where they actually announced the uh, Apple vulnerabilities that they found a, a year or so ago. Uh, and they do a lot of, they find a lot of crazy things in their space and in Apple space and just kind of all over the place. Um, check that yeah. out. Yeah. Speaking of places where people can learn, you have uh, a webinar series that you're involved in coming out, uh, coming up with Lookout. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What is it, cloud security? Yeah, so... Lookout started out as a mobile security company, but we've since acquired a uh, a Casby company, a Cloud Access Security Broker, to get into acronyms. Um, so we are expanding beyond just mobile phones to now be able to protect um, desktop, laptops, anything remote connecting into, say, a um, an organization's data centers or resources. So this webinar is kind of our, what we're, I think, deeming the our, the master class from endpoint to cloud, something along those lines. I, I'm horrible at tag, tagging stuff. Um, but it's a four-point um, webinar series. I believe the first one uh, either starts today or tomorrow. Um, I'm showing again, I'm, June 23rd. Okay, there you go, June third. I'm bad at <laughs> I'm bad at promoting things. This is why I'm not on marketing. I can talk a mile a minute about the technology. Don't ask me to promote. <laughs> well, um, we will put the link to this in the description yes. uh, so people can find that and check it out. Because yeah, it's June, July, and then a and a couple more in August. So um, definitely cool, and and people will be able to register <laughs> for that. And you also have a podcast that you're involved in, right? Yeah, so Lookout has a podcast called Endpoint Enigma. Uh, you can find it in, on Twitter and LinkedIn, exactly that name, Endpoint Enigma. And it is a mobile-focused podcast. I've been on there a couple of times now, um, both talking about uh, mobile device management uh, solutions and how you still need a, a mobile threat defense protection like we sell uh, in conjunction with it, and also kind of like a date in a life interview, which is kind of fun. Uh, but it is actually uh, it's about 20 minutes or so, but it there are a lot of great uh, episodes on there. 
Very cool. Be sure to check that out. Well, thank you, Victoria, so much for taking the time with us today. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. And I think anytime one of our phones break, uh, we'll we'll have you on as a guest next time. Well, that, I can uh, maybe do something. Oh, perfect. You, right. you could like troubleshoot in real time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll oh, call it an episode. Uh, yeah, we'll call it an episode. <laughs> Just trying to get my phone fixed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Yeah, you can hang up now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Victoria, and thanks, everybody. Uh, but stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, come back with the news right after this on Technado with Don Pazette. IT pros want to learn on the go? The IT Pro TV Android app is for you. Now it's better than ever with the dashboard view built in. Easily resume viewing, see new courses as they're added, and track your hours viewed. Start up your next episode with the touch of a button to binge watch on the go. Track your progress at a glance, and download episodes as an annual member for offline viewing. Access all IT Pro TV courses with a simple button. Choose landscape mode for larger viewing. Choose your course by category, certification, or job role. Watch anywhere and pick up later on your favorite devices. So head to the App Store and download the IT Pro TV app. All right, welcome back to TechNator with Don Pazette. Thank you so much to Victoria from Lookout for joining us and uh, making me scared to use my phone moving forward. I will be going back to... I don't know, maybe... Smoke signals? Yeah. Can't yeah. hack a smoke signal. It's just reinforcement <laughs> for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all... It's just hell in a handcart. Yeah. Perfect. Welcome to the show. Fantastic. <laughs> all right, well, hopefully some of this news today is good news. Let's see. The first comes from Microsoft, uh, their cloud blogs, announcing Windows Server 2022 now in preview. That's Woo. exciting, right? That's good news. Right? Sure. <laughs> so... A lot of big announcements coming out of Microsoft right now, which is uh, totally counter to something I said two episodes ago, where you know the the Microsoft conference had happened, the Build conference, and there really wasn't a lot significant that came out. <clears throat> and so I had made the comment that I thought that by canceling Windows 10X, that they had maybe like lost some of the big announcements they were going to make this year. But apparently, they are ramping up for something big on the 24th. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to our next podcast episode where we can talk about whatever that announcement is. The secret rumor is, though, that Windows 11 is coming soon. And that's probably true because when they increment the desktop OS, they increment the server OS also. This week, they announced Windows Server 2022 to replace 2019. Uh, they... State in the article, I, I kind of find this hard to believe that Windows Server 2019 was their fastest adopted server OS yet, uh, which I actually don't know many people who move their workload from uh, you know previous Windows Server to Windows Server 2019. A lot of people switched over to Docker containers in the cloud and all the, <laughs> all the big technology. Uh, but if you look at the new features of Windows Server 2022, it is almost entirely focused on hybrid integration with Microsoft Azure. And Microsoft is doubling down on Windows containers. So containers running on top of the Microsoft Windows kernel. They're really pushing some more stuff into that to beef that, that up uh, performance-wise. Windows containers in Windows Server 2022, uh, let me see if I can find the actual number here, can access a ridiculous amount of memory. It is in here somewhere. Shoot, I can't find it fast. But something like 48 terabytes of RAM 
and insane amounts of storage. It's, it's really crazy. They're trying to make it where they can simply just outperform Linux containers, uh, and they're doing a pretty good job of it. So we'll, we'll see where that ends up. Except for when you got to actually use the thing. <laughs> well, there is that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, most web applications these days are designed to run on top of Linux technologies, not Windows. Yeah. I just find myself like it's easier for me to use Linux. I don't know if it's because I've used it more, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I've worked in a lot of Windows throughout my career, but I just find myself more at home in a Linux system. Is this is this the line you're looking for, Don? The Windows Server 2022 supports business critical and large scale applications like SQL Server that require 48 terabytes of memory. Ooh. Oh, yeah, you said 48 logical cores. Did you say terabytes? 60 terabytes. Physical yeah. sockets. Jeez. And up to 2,048 logical cores. I mean, that's a heavy workload. They basically said, look, we want Microsoft SQL Server to run great in a container. Uh -huh. <laughs> and and to do Mission that, accomplished. you need a lot of resources. <laughs> so they're, they're really getting up to that uh, 64 physical sockets. That's some serious hardware Good for night. a container. Well, bouncing back to last week, hopefully those Microsoft containers are more secure in the future. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, What they don't tell you, that. it's an actual container <laughs> that they just drill <laughs> sockets into. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a Rubbermaid container. Yeah, it's awesome. You're going to love it. I don't know what this Kubernetes is, but it's right there in that 55-gallon <laughs> tote. Fantastic. Well, it's easy to store in the attic then as yeah, well. Yeah, it is. All right. Our next article comes to us from ZDNet.com. Microsoft, again, adds lightweight Visio web app for no extra fee to Microsoft 365 for business plans. I feel like uh, there's so many features now that are just part of the 365 subscription, but, uh, but yeah. the Visio... Uh, Upgrade is nice for you know. So as a network admin, Visio has always been one of those tools that kind of frustrated me. It's great for creating flowcharts and network diagrams. They're extremely useful if you need to create documentation. Perfect for our career and and what we do. But the challenge has always been it's so expensive, and you have to upgrade it all these times. And and then they when they brought it into Microsoft 365. The subscription cost for Visio is really high. It's something like fifty dollars a month, some ridiculous amount. Just to add Visio? Just to add Visio. It's oh, crazy. Wow. They already give me on Microsoft Paint. I just use that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Microsoft Project is the same way. It's yeah. really expensive. Yeah. So uh this is neat that they're rolling out a lightweight version of Visio and it's it's they say like uh, opt-in only right now. So you got to opt-in to be part of the beta. But once you do, you can access, you can see if it's enabled for your organization by going to office.com forward slash launch forward slash Visio with a capital V. And uh, I've had a chance to mess around with it. And for basic flow charting and editing or updating or even just viewing existing documents works great. Nice. And so it's really taken me from not wanting to use Visio anymore because it's hard for me to share documents with other people now, uh, we can do it right here via the web interface. So the neat feature that came out and is available already. It's about time, Microsoft. Let's, <laughs> let's get on the thing. You know, a, little, a little faster on the uptick, huh? That's right. Mm. Uh, update the new Technado website with, with Visio. Visio. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be just All Visio. Stars and yeah. are connected. Visio art, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure is a thing. I, I'm yeah, guessing, I'm but... Sure. There's ASCII art, I'm sure. There's. We should just change our homepage to say, like, Flash Player Required. <laughs> Silverlight. <laughs> Silverlight. Yeah. Click here to download the EXE. Yeah. <laughs> if you get prompted, just next your way through it. Yeah. 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 You're fine. Yeah. It's all good. All right. Uh, let's get away from Microsoft, move on to Apple now with the next article from Wired.com. 
Apple starts leaving Intel Macs behind in macOS Monterey. For the first time, some of Apple's own features will only be available on computers with the company's homegrown silicon. Which is what, that, that M1 chip? The M1 chip, yep. Uh, so Apple is going through a architecture change, right? So they're moving over their M1 chips, which are ARM processors. So you need ARM 64 builds of all your applications. And this is not the first time Apple's done it. We've talked about it here on the show when they switched from, in- not from Intel, from PowerPC over to Intel processors back in... Uh, 2005, 2006, when that happened. Uh, And then now when we have the transition over to M1. In the past, Apple's been pretty pretty slow-paced about it. It usually takes two to three years for them to eliminate the old and bring in the new. They're moving way more aggressively this time. Uh, So you can, uh, you actually have limited Intel processor Macs that you can buy from the website right now. If you go to the website, it's almost entirely M1s. So they really cycle that inventory pretty fast. And now new features that come out from macOS, many of them are dependent on one of the uh, acceleration chips that's a part of the M1 SoC. And that means it won't work on Intel. So they're starting to release features like their their background blurring, a maps update, and a few other things that just do not work on an Intel CPU. So Apple's really pushing people to upgrade their hardware, or maybe it's not really an upgrade. In some cases, more of a lateral. Quick question. Price on that. If I went, if I... Side by side, an Intel Mac versus an M1 Mac. Mm-hmm. Am I seeing, because I'm assuming that, just in my estimation, because they make their own chips, it should decrease the price because <laughs> they don't have a middleman. Yep. Is so, this the case? Uh, absolutely not. Oh. So, you know, we have a, over at ACI, we have a standard Lenovo laptop that we use, yeah. uh, which is $1,000. And then if we get the same specs in a MacBook Pro, $2,400. So over double the price. Now, if and you can get that? by, it's got an Apple on it. Oh, there uh, you go. If you can get by with a MacBook Air, that brings the price down a bit, but there's very little upgradability in a MacBook Air. So you have you know, you these maximum memory counts and things. So uh, it's a challenge. Apple hardware is expensive. The M1 processor, everybody I've talked to who's used one has really been impressed with it. They're fast and, and they do a really good job. So I'm not saying that, it's but not bad, yeah. you're paying a premium for it. It's expensive. Gotcha. Oh. But Apple was more expensive before. This they were, yeah. Real. So, it, yeah. you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> I was kind of having this conversation on LinkedIn the other day when we were talking about operating systems and how well they run on X, Y, or Z platforms. And it, it just seems like, I think we've actually had this conversation before as well, that you get better hardware, right? Better hardware comes out faster, stronger, awesome. And then the operating system vendors just go, well, we'll just make this do more stuff. And then it's like, it basically evens that back out. So yeah. you're constantly playing this game of, I've got all this hardware. So I installed Linux the other day and now I'm running at a base, like sitting around doing nothing of 600 megs of RAM and it's just, just chilling. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like that. Better. My, Why uh, do you do that? My iMac in my office, I have a 2015 iMac. So seven years old, it's an old iMac, yeah. right? Uh, Apple no longer supports it. So it was stuck on macOS Catalina. Couldn't upgrade to Big Sur, can't upgrade to Monterey. So it, it, it's ended its support from Apple. Oh, I just put Ubuntu on it. And all of a sudden, it's like a new thing, right? It's yeah. an iMac, an all in one, but Ubuntu detected every single piece of hardware, works perfect. I didn't load a single driver. Nice. Uh, and yeah, it runs great. So if that's the way they want to go, like I would never actually go out and buy an iMac just to put Linux on right. it. I would buy third party. But if you have one, you can Might really well. breathe life back into yeah, it. Yeah, no doubt. I've got a I've got a um, 10 year old laptop on my desk, runs like a champ running a lightweight version of Ubuntu. Yeah. Works great. 
But, you know, for a cash-strapped company like Apple, that's not going to get you buying new hardware. <laughs> yeah, you, so. you make a point. You make a point. <laughs> yeah, to your I point, hope they make it, you know. To your point, Daniel, I feel like no matter how much, you know, uh, space I have, storage space on my computer, it's I will always enough. be at that limit where I'm deleting right. things so I can save new things. So, this. I mean, I had that on the, the original Packard Bell yeah. uh, <laughs> back in, you know, 95. and yeah, we got to be more like day. conservationists or something when it comes to our system resources. You know, consume as little as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> All right. Our next article comes to us from Engadget.com. Google Chrome will once again show a website's full URL. The simplified Omnibox didn't help users identify malicious sites after all. So, I mean, is this mainly a security uh, reason why they're doing yes. this? Yes. So, last year, Google rolled out a feature that confused and irritated everyone, a feature no one asked for. <laughs> they said, you know that URL, that address bar up top in your browser? That's just frightening and confusing to people. We, <laughs> I'm not a humble caveman. <laughs> right. You're modern ways. So, uh, uh, so they said, you know, let's hide all that. And if you're on Google's website, no matter what URL you're on, we'll just say google.com and that's it. Or if you're on Microsoft's website, we'll make it say Microsoft.com and that's it. You don't get to see the subdomain, whether it's HTTP or HTTPS, and you don't get to see the subdirectory. It's all hidden. Well, when they rolled this out, a lot of security professionals were frustrated. They said, how are people supposed to visually verify they're on the right server if they're not seeing the actual URL, if you're messing around with it? And, and Google said, no, 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 this will actually help security because we cut out all that extra stuff. People can focus in on the domain name. This would be great. Well... It was a stupid idea, and I think we said that at the time. And so Google has uh, agreed. They said uh, it, they actually had a very short statement about what they were doing. Uh, so it was called the Simplified Domain Experiment, and they said they deleted the Simplified Domain Experiment. This experiment didn't move relevant security metrics, so we're not going to launch it. I would have laughed if it was because it was... Stupid. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back in the archive and I'm going to find that episode where we talked about this. And uh, if we were right, well, I'm going to cut that clip in right here. <laughs> yeah. Shoot, nothing happened. Yeah. 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 Darn. This we probably like, loved it. Don, is this uh, something that's just to Google Chrome or is it all Chromium-based browsers that had this? Just Chrome. Like Microsoft Edge did not do all it. Right. So yeah. that's why I'd never experienced this. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Could you override that? Uh, you could probably, override it. Yeah. yeah. It, what you would do is, uh, and I think the article even talks about it. It was like pretty easy to Download override. Firefox. You, you uh, had to take a loved one up to the top of a mountain where the red skull was and you'd throw them off into the abyss. Okay. And then you would get the ability. And you get the old. Yes. I don't, uh, I don't remember what the option was called, but you would like right click on the address bar and you would see it as a check thing that you could disable. So it was pretty easy to disable if you knew about oh, it, yeah, but most it users don't. Oh, show full URL. So I can click. Okay. Oh, look at that. There we go. Oh, there's an S. Oh, there's all this information. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, my God, I've been hacked. <laughs> Google has uh, messed around with things a couple of times like this that are standard things that people just consider common sense. But Google wants to try something new, and here we are. Google.ru is the same, right? That's oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's <laughs> Google for you. Or no, yeah, are you? Are yeah. you? I actually like to use that one because I know that the Russian government is filtering and protecting my data, and I don't have to pay for See, it, right? True. It's not my tech fair dollars. So are they just basically <laughs> flipping it where it's off by default, but you can still turn it on if you want to? Uh, I, you know, in, in Chrome 91, they are turning it off, and I don't think you can turn it on. Mm, uh, I think it's just going right. away. Because it's it's obfuscating dangerous things. Yeah. So it shouldn't be turned on. They didn't say they were setting it to off by default. They said they were deleting the experiment. Uh, it's so. gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go back to putting a little piece of duct tape over that edge of the, the there browser. There you go. That's what I do. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the next one here from CNET.com. Fastly Internet. I thought I was reading this wrong at first. I'm like, that's not how you would 
describe the internet? <laughs> yeah. Fastly internet outage explained how one customer broke Amazon, Reddit, and half the web. The internet was brought to its knees by a massive outage on Tuesday, and it's Tuesday of last week. Now we know exactly what the cause was and how the problem was fixed. So we, yeah, we didn't report on this last week because we had right. no information. We don't know why, but we know there was a big outage. Yep, and and this headline's a little misleading in that it says one customer, customer broke yeah. this stuff. The customer didn't break it. Fastly broke yeah. it, right? Yeah. So if you're not familiar with Fastly, I'm not surprised. You know, they're a CDN, a content distribution network. CDNs operate all around the world. And when you go and access a website from like Amazon or Apple or whatever, it's rare that you're actually going to their servers. You're almost always going to a CDN partner because they'll have servers that are near you. Akamai is the biggest one, but you also have Cloudflare, Fastly, and a handful of others that are out there uh, that people can take advantage of. So if you want to launch a website and have it load nice and fast all across the globe, Fastly. you don't have to. Yeah, Fastly. Fastly. you get it. You don't have to spin up servers all across the globe. You can just use theirs, right? And so your servers run; they clone your data in and put it in their cache, and then serve it up from the cache out to the internet. I'm, I'm sorry. Hold on. Isn't that what what like AWS is? So AWS does have where you can build a CDN in it, right? So that's CloudFront. Oh, but not by yeah. default. Uh, or you, you have to pay for it, right? If you want to use CloudFront, sure. it's a service you can enable. Yeah. Sorry, I'm learning what the cloud is. Go ahead. Now, <laughs> the, it's interesting you ask, though, because Amazon was one of the sites that was affected. And you yeah. would think, doesn't Amazon eat their own dog food? Why aren't they using CloudFront? And the reason is CDNs have problems sometimes. Uh, and you want redundancy. You want to be able to flip around and so on. And that's something that Amazon was set up. So some of Amazon went down. Not all of Amazon. It was the parts they were they were running through Fastly. Well, what happened was Fastly rolled out an update to their management infrastructure on the back end. And everything was fine for like two and a half weeks. But it turns out there was a bug that went unnoticed in their update that in a certain edge case, a customer would be able to roll out a configuration change, a valid configuration change, and it would cause a cascading failure across the entire Fastly network and blow everything up. Well, right? I mean, what's the odds that'll happen? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. So that's exactly what happened. It took two and a half <laughs> weeks and a unnamed customer, unnamed because it's totally not their fault, right? Yeah. Um, hit this edge case and really brought everything down. Now, it affected a huge portion of the internet. The outage was very small. It was like 49 minutes, I think is what they said, yeah. under an hour, right? So, so they, they were fastly at getting it fixed. Hey, fastly, <laughs> they're a really good company. They have yeah. some amazing talents. They were able to find the problem. They said they found the problem within one minute. So that's pretty yeah, awesome. That's fast. Um, but it took them about 49 minutes to get most of their customers back online. Now, my favorite, though, is when this happened, right? 85% of the company's networks uh, stopped responding. So huge mm -hmm. outage all around the world. Everybody sees it. On their status page, they put... Uh, <laughs> where is it? Hang on. <laughs> they put this ridiculous status message. Uh, oh, shoot. I totally ruined the delivery on that. Here it is. <laughs> we identified a... Well, shoot. No, that's not Ace. it. Oh, okay. Ah, come on. It's in there somewhere. It's we'll in here somewhere. When, when Reddit, We're peeing our pants when, and setting the building on fire. We'll be back shortly. <laughs> I will say that when Reddit and Spotify and Twitch went down, I I mean, I had no choice but to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad morning last Tuesday. Well, also, he's trying to shop on Amazon and nothing yeah, going in a car. like, fine, let me just go yeah. watch some streaming games on Twitch. No, I, I can't find the message, but basically they put out this status update that said, uh, oh, here, I found it. We're currently investigating potential impact to performance with our CDN, which apparently means our network's totally hosed and down. <laughs> we like, broke the internet. So 
they are a good company. They do have great people, but whoever updates their status page should be fired. Man, you know what we need to do? <laughs> we need to create like an account on some sort of social media that does interpretations of these. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, oh, we are not working right now. Because <laughs> the way they said it here, when I hear a performance issue, I'm thinking, well, it still works. It's just slower than right. normal, right? Yeah. By performance issue, we mean zero performance. Yeah. Remember, uh, Key and Peel had that sketch with the Obama. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Interpreter. Interpreted yeah. him. Yes. That's what you need here. But like, exactly. what does that actually mean? That means the internet's broken. Yeah. yeah. This is a broken thing. We did it. I guess they were and still serving up something. It was maybe just we'll fix it. Five yeah, was that error message. Five hundred three errors. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. everybody knows what that means. Because they use a different CDN for yeah. error messages. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's uh, go over to our last article for the day, which is our new segment, dough. Dough. That kind of dough. <laughs> All right. This one is from live-feeds.com. Uh, the leading name in network news. <laughs> where you go, I mean, it looks like just a like a personal blog, but <laughs> a congressman in charge of cybersecurity at the Pentagon accidentally published a password from his mail. Whoopsie. And so what he did is he was actually like calling out another uh, congressman for something, you know, some uh, political spat. And he took a photo of his monitor. And on that was something labeled Gmail and something labeled <laughs> PIN, I think, which right. is almost <laughs> even more concerning. So, bad. you know, uh, in, in the U.S. government, they actually, especially in the Pentagon, they have two different networks. In the military, there's the Sippernet and Nippernet. And so, you know, one of them is connected to the public Internet. One is not. And when you're on that secure network, you can't communicate out. So it's, it's kind of isolated and protected. I don't know which network he was on, but basically he posted <laughs> a picture that showed his computer monitor. And the picture was really focused on the screen. But if you look really carefully down at the bottom, you can see that there's some kind of sticker on the base of the monitor. And so somebody saw this tweet and kind of zoomed in, you know, like in CSI, I said enhance four times. And then in that little sticker, you can actually see the note that has his Gmail password and a pin for something. Now, the PIN, you know, it could be any number of things. We don't know. Uh, they could be doing multi-factor authentication where he types in a password followed by that PIN, or it could be just you know, his bank account PIN. Yeah, I don't know. It's a combination of, of numbers and letters, which is interesting for, for yeah. a PIN. So I would think probably not banking, but... And it's eight digits. Yeah. So, yeah. Was this the guy that was sleeping with the Chinese spy for 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it is. Yeah. There's not a uh, post here that says launch codes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to look that up because I'm pretty sure... Eric Swalwell, who is the head of like the cybersecurity. Yeah, that's the uh, part. Well, and he was complaining too about getting served with a uh, with a lawsuit where they came into his house and served his his wife, and he basically is accusing the other uh, congressman of, of yeah. trespassing. Oh uh, yeah, that's him. That's him. That's him. Nice. Uh, Eric Swalwell and an alleged Chinese spy. What we know from the Washington Post. Wow. All right. So well, he's definitely the one he was accusing. Mo Brooks is the representative that put his. Oh, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Man. I was like, what? This guy's really messing up. <laughs> well, yeah. what Mo Brooks was trying to do was to post a, a picture of uh, something from the Alabama code, uh, 13A-7-2. And so yeah, he had the, brought the that web page up yeah. and took yeah. a picture of it. And that's how we got this, this nice. little note. Uh, I did think, did you see what his password was? I, I didn't see it, no. So just kind of looking at it at first, uh, I, I noticed there's some... Com some similar numbers between the pin number and uh, yeah. his. And so, you know, his name is Mo 
I don't. I didn't look up his wife's name, but her wife's his wife's name is probably Mary or Maria or something. Gotcha. Because his password was Momar fifty four fifty six, which are likely Birth the years they were born. Because right. the pin numbers are M four fifty four M nine fifty six. I'm gonna guess that's April of nineteen fifty four and yeah. September of nineteen fifty six. I think this is what's that called, Daniel? When people use easily guessable stuff, uh, it's stupid? called stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a name. Dumb for as it. a bag of rocks. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, oh, we'll be kind and say a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> that is a mistake. All right. So the next time you hear somebody like Bruce Schneier say, you know, the U.S. government needs to pass yeah. regulations to protect our cybersecurity. These are the people that Bruce is asking to protect yes. us. Yeah. Start and, start yeah. at the top. Yes. <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, security's easy. I just took my wife's name, my name. Oh, did I just tell you that out loud? <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, like, if he did get locked out, you know, if I got locked out, it's a mess. If he gets locked out, he can probably, like, subpoena somebody from Google to just, you know, hey, reset my password, please. I screwed up. <laughs> I, can, I don't uh, have that kind of I power. love when people, like, uh, post things in you know, LinkedIn or whatever that says, did you know that LinkedIn has a filter that will block out your social security number or password? Go ahead and try it. <laughs> People are like, here's my password. Like, no. I no. just looked up Mo Brooks' birth date, April of 1954. <laughs> well, there you go. There's the and 454. It, do you have his wife's name? Yeah. Uh no, we can we'll, yeah. we'll fully cyber sure stalk this guy. <laughs> entry doesn't have all that. Well, know? let me just log into his Gmail. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> now we we do have to be careful. Look uh, at his calendar. When's his wife's so birthday? I'll, I'll stop here because he's a public official, so uh, it's it's fair game. Yeah. Uh, but his wife, that would be like, yeah, and, be like yeah, doxing. Yeah, we yeah. don't want to run afoul of YouTube yeah. and get our hard strike. Nor do we want to dox people and, unless she's <laughs> yeah. like yeah. in a commercial with him, like where they're like walking hand in hand down the beach and talking about America. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, which I assume there we go. Super so uh, the lesson here is that uh, every time we joke about somebody putting their password on their monitor, it's because it really happens. It happens a lot. And when we talk about weak passwords. People are using them. It's just sad to see somebody in this position. I, I talked about this with David Bomble because he said, you know, I do I do something about cracking a password and people will kind of like always chime in and say, well, that was an easy password. It was found in a known dictionary file. It's like people use passwords found in known dictionary files. That's I don't know what to tell you about that. Yeah. You know, this one, though, it kind of reminds me. Do you remember we had an article? It was probably a year or two ago. Uh, there was a Japanese official who was the one who was in charge of oh, cybersecurity yeah. who never yeah. used a computer. Oh, that's awesome. And he said he didn't have to. He had his people that did that. <laughs> And so that's kind of what we're looking okay. at here. Well, good to know. Yeah, I feel well, good. But what you don't know is that some of those letters were capitalized. Yeah. So, oh man, you good got luck me there. cracking that. I guess I'm foiled. All right. Well, uh, speaking of having all your stuff stolen, we've got a webinar coming up. Uh, actually, today. that's a nice download to go along with. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and we'll send you all the notes on PowerPoint uh, with macros enabled. Uh, Thursday, June 17th, Dissecting Malware, How Reverse Engineering Can Help Protect You. And that is with Daniel Lowry right there and John Hammond uh, from the Internet, from YouTube, our <laughs> guest last week, who tied you guys for uh, rapper or malware. So, I mean, I guess he knows his malware. He does. We held our own. Or he, he doesn't know his rappers. We're really good guessers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not make it hard enough. Uh, but head over to itpro.tv slash webinars. You can register for that one. And don't worry, <clears throat> if you're listening to this after the fact, you can go back and uh, we'll have the archive up there and you can enjoy it at your leisure. Noise. You take your time. 
And uh, while you're on the internet, head over to techna.do or technado.com. And I won't make fun of Dayon today because he's actually in the office. Yeah. <laughs> I believe he could take me. you in a fair fight. He did threaten yeah. me earlier, but I locked <laughs> the studio door, so you <laughs> should be fine. Take that, Dayon. So, yeah. <laughs> I hope Croatia loses in the whatever <laughs> soccer <laughs> contest you're playing right now. You're, yeah. I believe it's called a match. Yeah. Keep poking the bear. <laughs> no, they've got the big tournament right now. The Conquistador. Confetti. <laughs> the Conquistador Cup. The biggest <laughs> in Croatia. <laughs> yeah, it's happening right now. They're, they're all kicking. Why like, are they speaking Spanish? <laughs> kicking a ball around right Croatia. now. Like a bunch of idiots. All right. Uh, <laughs> but head over to technado.com and you can uh, check out all the latest episodes. You can send us uh, some mail and let us know what uh, articles we should cover. You can also hit that big orange button sponsored by IT Pro TV and check out the IT Pro TV page where you can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal plan to IT Pro TV. And you can also request a team trial if you're part of a business and want to get the whole team over there on IT Pro TV. You can see all the great features available to you there. Uh, that's all over at technado.com. So check that out. Well, guys, uh, thanks so much. Thank you to Victoria for joining us today. Any, any closing thoughts here? I just find it interesting that you uh, insulted the fan base of the largest fan base of a, of a sport, of the largest sport in the world, and just kind of... No, no, I think they roll. would all agree with me that the Croatian team is just trash. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just trash. Uh, and on that note... Uh, no, uh, Take no that, eye spiders Croatia. tonight, anybody? Eye spiders? No, you got to pull them worms out, though. Yeah, I think yeah. we all made it. Yeah. All right. I got uh, the tweezers. Good. Okay. We'll see you guys next week right here on Technado with Don Pizzetti.